Just wait a minute. We got a job for you. I don't want no job. Why not? It's too much, too much like work, man. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. I mean, work is for suckers. You know, I like my job, Skipper. I wouldn't want to lose it. Hey, it's me, Chris T, and this is job story number 17, and it's a bit of a cop-out, so please forgive me in advance. I wanted the day off myself. Yesterday was Labor Day, the day I usually produce job story, but I have something pretty interesting for you. It's the origins of this podcast. It's the show that planted the seed for Job Story. And it's an aerial view program from September 2nd called The Working Week. And this was based on an idea that I had for a channel at my old employer, the satellite radio company. And I took it to my then manager and I was pretty excited about the idea. They, however, were not. I also thought about doing it as a show. That didn't fly. So what I did is I went down and did it on WFMU as part of my phone-in talk show aerial view. So without too much messing around, here is aerial view from September 2nd, 2014, also known as the origin story of job story. Slave of interest! Let him have it, Chris. 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 Switch for everything. You're listening to Aerial View on WFMU East Orange and worldwide on the internet at WFMU.org. No tricks on this. Your act at all, Kev, and I don't think you do either. 
I don't think you know what you're trying to do or how to go about it. You, I think you're stupid. I heard it over the radio. Real stupid. I'm not just talking about one person. I'm talking about everybody. I'm talking about form. I'm talking about content. I'm talking about interrelationships. I'm talking about God, the devil, hell, heaven. Do you understand? Finally, then you will not take me over the air for now or for any other spaceless time. I'll change my voice wherever I please. I'm a famous radio personality now. I just hope this man realizes that being able to communicate with people all over the world carries a serious responsibility. Come on, Show the man your power, baby. Blast him! Give him some of that tone! It's showtime! major element in the uh, huge public relations propaganda after the Second World War you know, was strictly demonizing labor. And the labor movement knew that. You know, there was a fairly substantial labor press even then, as late as the 1950s. There were still about uh, 800 labor newspapers, which are reaching maybe 20 or 30 million people a week. You know, not commercial media, but pretty substantial, and they're interesting reading too. Uh, they, were they were trying to, as they put it, provide, this is just, I'm not talking about anything radical, you know, it's like no left-wing press or anything, just labor newspapers, you know, the conservative American labor movement. Uh, we're talking about uh, developing antidotes to the poisons of the kept press, commercial media, who were demonizing labor at every opportunity and trying to undermine our achievements and glossing over the crimes of the corporate rulers who run the society, you know, stuff like that. Oh, oddly enough, that's the agenda for tonight's show. H how did he know? How did he know? It's me, Chris T. Back with Aerial View. At aerialview.me online, links to Facebook, Twitter, and my homepage. And I said I would see you next Tuesday, and I meant it. Speaking of which, there's a newsletter by the same name for this very program. It goes out every Tuesday morning at 10.45 a.m., and you can get yourself a copy by emailing me, ct at wfmu.org, or go to the playlist right now and scroll down until you see a box where you can enter your email address and get yourself a copy. 
And uh, on Friday, I will be reading with the WFMU Literary Guild at the KGB Bar on uh, East 4th Street in Manhattan. Details on the front page, the home page, I should say, of WFMU at WFMU.org. A whole bunch of people will be reading as well. So come on down and join us as we all read. The number here is 201-209-9368, 201-209-WFMU. And uh, tonight, it's on-the-job complaining. See, as opposed to on-the-job training. Or uh, the working life, if you will. Because I know not all of you, some of you, don't have a job currently. And... Uh, one of my favorite things is to is to gather up the latest euphemisms. And and one of my favorite is missing workers. Missing workers. Oh, they've gone missing. We've misplaced them. We don't know where they are. They were here, but now they're not. Missing workers are those who have been unemployed so long that they just said screw it. Just screw it. And I don't know, maybe they figured out another way to earn a living, to to earn their crust of bread. I'm not quite sure. But I've been employed steadily from the age of 16. I believe 16 years old I had my first job. I am going to be 52 on Sunday. I find that really hard to believe. Really having a hard time processing that so let me do some quick math 30 plus 16 46 and another 4 and another 2 36 years of working steadily oh that's a that's a long time and let's see I, I, I sometimes I try to go back and remember like every job I've had since I first started working and I, I would have to say my first Probably my first job, and I don't know how long I held it, was down at the corner at the fish market that was down at the end of our block. The corner of uh, South Fifth Street and Montauk Highway, or Merrick Road, as the locals call it. Uh, down there for years, ever since I was a kid. Southside Fish and Clam, home of the Twin Lobster Dinner. Used to be eleven ninety five. I got news for you. It's not 11.95 anymore, but the place is still there. Expanded over the years, and uh, my family and I used to go down there. It's cafeteria style. You know, you you walk up to the counter, you order. There's no waitresses or anything. Very very excellent fish, fresh fish and shellfish, and you could order fish, take it home, or they make it there. They'll broil it, they'll fry it, whatever you want done with the fish, they'll do it to the fish. And, 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 and not terribly expensive either. So you're, you're basically sitting at a picnic bench. And uh, I remember I got a gig there at one point washing dishes. Like bussing the tables and washing the dishes. It's the same fish market where I took my first electric guitar and I smashed it against the brick wall. I was so angry at it because it was such a piece of garbage. It was a K. K-A-Y. And I'll tell you, I was in a music store on Saturday. 
you know, nice Labor Day weekend. Had a few days off in a row, a Labor Day weekend, and went up, went up to Tarrytown, New York, you know. Went to uh, meet a friend of mine. My wife and I went up there, and we went to the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. And I got to say, I love that cemetery. It's my new favorite cemetery. It used to be Hollywood Forever Cemetery out there in Hollywood, where Mel Blanc is buried. But, uh, but I, sorry, Mel. My apologies. I would have to now go with uh, Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. I apologize. Mel, please don't be angry with me. Gruesome, isn't it? It's kind of gruesome. But uh, a lot of famous people buried up there at the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. But let me get to that after I get to this. So we go into this music store because I, I don't know what you're like. I would like to know what you're like. Maybe we'll get to know each other at some point a little bit more. But uh, when I go into a strange town, a town that's that's new to me or a town that I've never gone to before or a town where I've been to before but I haven't explored it like Tarrytown I look for a couple of things I look for a music store I always want to see what's going on in in the independent music store because like independent record shops they are worthy of your support I, I, I was just on 48th Street in Manhattan today just on 48th Street it's one empty building after another they have emptied out a whole row of buildings where you used to have Manny's Music and you used to have Sam Ash and the Electro Harmonics store used to be over there. And it was you would run from one music store to the next. And now Rudy's is the only place holding down the fort. And I don't know how much longer they have. But uh, big, big guitar center opened in Times Square. And I have a thing about guitar center. I used to work there, so I have... I have a thing about those people. I got a I got a bone to pick with them. I don't like going in there. They could have the cheapest guitars on the face of the planet. I don't like going in there. I don't feel that much better about Sam Ash. Even though that kind of was my childhood music store. When I was a kid, I was always into Sam Ash in Huntington Station. And uh, that's where my first good guitar came from. My Ibanez, the Les Paul copy that my grandmother bought me for my 13th or 14th birthday. When I begged and pleaded her, pleaded with her, I said, I can't, this K guitar is killing me. The, the action was so bad. The strings were so far off the fretboard. And I, I'll tell you, if you have a kid, and most kids who take up guitar, they take it up around the age of 12 or 13. Don't ask me why. I have some theories on the subject, but none of them have been tested by research. But that seems to be the age. You ask most people, even famous guitarists, I've asked them this question, when did you start playing? 12, 13 years old. And I I probably started at the same age, and I got so tired of this K, this crappy K guitar, I took it down to the fish market, I smashed it into splinters against the brick wall after I got my Les Paul copy and I was telling you this story because I was in this music store in Tarrytown and I look up on the wall, way up on the wall there's a bunch of these cheap Japanese guitars uh, you know the Tesco's or however you say that the the, uh, the various brand names of crap guitars from back in the day that are now apparently collectible you know what I say to that 
I say HA! That's what I say to that. Those guitars were crap then, and they're crap now. And I'm calling crap on that. I'm calling crap on these, uh, these guitar stores. And by the way, here's the, here's the best part. They weren't for sale. <laughs> they weren't for sale. I looked up on the wall. I said, huh? Look at those crap guitars up there that are barely playable. The worst pickups in the world. So microphonic that when you would plug them in, they would, all they would do is squeal. And then really cheap materials and, and, and the castings for the bridge and the tailpiece are all cheap crap and you cut your hands open on them. And I mean, I, these kids today with their cheap guitars, they don't know from cheap guitars because cheap guitars today are better than the cheap guitars from back then. Even your, dare I say it, Chinese-made guitars. And I will not have one of those in my house. I've picked up a few, and I've been tempted, but I, I, I said no. No. Not for me. But I, I, I like to go into the guitar stores. I like to look and see what they have. I like to support the independent ones, because the chain ones, like everything else, they're taking over, friends. And uh, I said I was turning 52 on Friday, and you start, to th- you start to look back and you start to think about the course of your life, and you start to think about the course of the world that you've experienced growing up and how things have changed, and then you find yourself at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery looking at the grave of Samuel Gompers. And when I found out Samuel Gompers was buried at Sleepy Hollow Cemetery, I got, I got a little, ex- I must say, I got a little starstruck, a little... A little excited. I thought, wow, labor leader. One of the founders of the American Federation of Labor. Here it is almost Labor Day. It's Labor Day weekend. What could be better than going to visit dead Samuel Gompers? Hmm. And the fact that he's buried about 100 feet away from uh, Andrew Carnegie, as they're now pronouncing it on NPR, because for years we were saying it wrong, apparently. Is irony indeed. By the way, what is it with putting money on Andrew Carnegie's grave? Why are people leaving behind quarters and dimes and nickels and pennies? I mean, what what, what do they think that is somehow beyond from beyond the grave? He's going to make them wealthy. What what is there something because all that was on Samuel Gomper's headstone was a rock. That's all that was on there, a rock, which is a Jewish tradition. He was. Partly Jewish, Samuel Gompers. So I kind of, I understand the rock, but what's with leaving the money on Carnegie? Didn't, doesn't Carnegie have enough? You know, I said to my wife, I said, let's take that money. And then we could say we got a grant from the Carnegie Foundation. Because I counted it. It was about $3 worth of change. And, you know, we could have used that for all the parking meters we were at over the weekend. I'm looking at the playlist right now. Karen in Sleepy Hollow says she's a tour guide there. Karen, if you can, give a call. I have some questions for you. 201-209-9368. 201-209-WFMU. And um, I would also like to hear from somebody who wants to tell us who Samuel Gompers was. I mean, I, I can do it. I mean, I know I can tell you who he was and why he's important. But I would rather you do that. 
So call 201-209-9368. 201-209-WFMU. Here's his voice, by the way. This is Samuel Gompers himself. This war is a people's war. Labor's war. The final outcome will be determined in the factories, the mills, the shops, the mines, the farms, the industries, and the transportation agencies of the various countries. There you go. Samuel Gompers. 201-209-9368. Hello, welcome to the air. Hello, this is Karen Sleepy Hollow. Hey, listen, you you listened. Thank you for listening. <laughs> you're welcome. So you're a tour guide there? Yes, I am. How'd you get that gig? I bet people are dying um, for that job. Get it? Dying for that job. <laughs> people are dying to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, the, the reason I got that job is because I was a docent at the Bronx Zoo for 10 years, so they thought I'd be good at it. Well, are you good at it? I like to think so. I think people have a good time on my tours. Why should we care about Sleepy Hollow Cemetery? Um, well, historically significant, you know, the famous people that are buried there, of course, like Samuel Gompers and Andrew Carnegie and Washington Irving, who is the reason that any of this is called Sleepy Hollow, because of the legend of Sleepy Hollow. That's right. He's buried yeah. there. He's got a family mm-hmm. plot. Yeah, he's got a big family plot, and he's actually one of the people that instigated the start of that cemetery. Uh, when when does it date back to? 1846. 1846. Oops, I'm forgetting. <laughs> so it, it's pre-Civil War, that cemetery. Yes, it is. Yeah. Nice Civil War monument there, by the way. Isn't to that beautiful? Civil I don't War remember dead, yeah. the sculptor's name, but he was actually a blind artist. Are you kidding me? I'm not kidding. Wow. Um, what else? Uh, by the way, um, if you're planning a trip to Sleepy Hollow, Labor Day is a great weekend to go. There was nobody there. Yeah, It, it was, was nice really and quiet, quiet and peaceful. But I bet around Halloween... Things really it's heat up. Insane, yeah. Really? It is crazy around here. Yeah. Are you there now? Of course, I live four blocks from the cemetery. Oh wow! Well, that's. Yeah. Are you there? Are you in the cemetery all the time? Because I got to say, it's one of the cooler cemeteries ever traipsed around. Oh yeah, it's yeah. beautiful. I take pictures there all the time. I've been hanging out there for the last twenty years. Um, so uh, t- let's see. Let's review if I remember who was buried there. Walter P. Chrysler. We went and visited his grave. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh huh. Yeah. Elizabeth Arden. Yes, uh, is, is buried there. Uh, the aforementioned uh-huh. Gompers is buried there. Washington Irving. Yeah. Um, who else? Who am I forgetting? Um, um, let's see. There's actually uh, William Rockefeller has Wh- a mausoleum. William Rockefeller. Uh huh. He the Rockefeller uh, estate is on the other side of the fence from the cemetery, and they have a private cemetery over there. So he's the only Rockefeller and his branch of the family that are buried in our cemetery. Um, what is that? Kaikuit? How do you say that? Kikuit? Kaikuit? Kaikuit. Something, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, the Rockefeller estate. We yes. leave the U out. I just say Kaikuit. Kaikuit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and who else? What other famous types will you see? Because um, I know there's like there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Uh, well, there's some names that I don't remember. I know we have a couple of the Hudson River artists buried in our cemetery. We've got, we have some famous art there, too. I mean, we have some interesting people. Oh, um, Francis Church, the editor from the New York Sun newspaper who wrote the editorial, Yes, Virginia, There is a Santa Claus. Oh, he's buried there. What do you know? He is buried oh, there, too, yeah. yeah. And the guy who invented Bakelite is also buried in the cemetery. I didn't know that. I would have visited his grave as well. What do you yeah. know? We uh, Listen, uh, i got to come back, and you'll, you'll show us around. Absolutely. Because right? we didn't take the tour. 
We just traipsed around by ourselves. We've got some cool tours. Definitely come to a nighttime tour. You get to creep around in the dark with a kerosene lantern. Well, that's what I want to do, but I don't want to do it during Halloween when everybody's up there. I just don't want to. Come now. We're doing them now. All right. I'll be there in a few hours. I'll be there in a few hours. Uh, Let me ask you this question. (laughs) Do you you stop at the grave of Samuel Gompers and tell people who he is and why he was important to the labor movement? Yeah, we actually do talk about him. Uh, There's a specific tour called Titans of Industry. Mm Mm-hmm. And he is on that tour. So we talk about him specifically for that. And I, I always point him out, because if you're taking a nighttime tour, you're leaving from the main office, and you're walking right past him. So I always point him out. Right. Yeah, and it's a very unassuming gravestone. It's not. I mean, compared oh, yeah. to some of the monuments there, it's it's not mm-hmm. much, right? Yep. Yeah. So And, and it was erected by the AFL-CIO, apparently. Yeah. yeah, they put that up. Yeah, he actually died in Texas, but insisted on being buried within eyesight of of like Carnegie and right down the hill from from uh, Rockefeller. Really? Was that part? Did yeah, he, that was on purpose. Well, that's funny because while we were there, I said to my wife and to my friend Jim, I said he's not even a hundred feet away from Carnegie. I wonder if yeah. their ghosts ever tussle with each other. <laughs> that would be cool, you know. It would because be Car- cool. Carnegie was all about busting labor, and and of oh, course yeah. Goppers was about uh, upholding it, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's interesting. That's very interesting. So uh, tell us when folks should go and visit. It's, it closes at 4.30. What time does the cemetery open? The cemetery opens at 8.30 most days or yeah. 8 o'clock, depending on what day you come in. But most people don't come in that early. Um, so, yeah, the gates lock at 4.30. you got to be out of there or you're going to have to call somebody to let you out because all the gates are locked. Right. Um, but if you go to the cemetery webpage, sleepyhallowcemetery.org, there's actually a listing for all the tours. There's different types of tours, different times of day. There's one-hour tours, two-hour tours. There's lots of opportunities starting now. I mean, September, October is when it'll really get cranking, but we do it almost all year. We just don't... We skip winter because it can get kind of kind of slippery out there. <laughs> yeah, you don't want people falling against a headstone and splitting their skull open. That no, would be ironic. No, or splitting right? the stone. That would be bad. Splitting the stone open, too. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you, because we're talking about labor and we're talking about work today. Are, are you currently retired? Are you doing this as part of your retirement, Karen? Or? Oh, no, I'm not no. that old, honey. <laughs> no, I, okay. I mean, I, I, it's hard to tell from people's voices how old they are, but I uh, what was the best job and the worst job you ever had? Oh, worst job, FAO Schwartz. I did that for a week. You you worked at that hellhole, FAO Schwartz? I did. <sighs> I, didn't open, I didn't work <sighs> at the big one in the city. I worked at the one in White Plains. Yeah, that sounds worse. Yeah. In the mall. It was hideous. Right. It was yeah. hideous, and uh, probably the best job I had. Most of my most of my retail experiences in bookstores, and I probably loved uh, the Boulder bookstore the best. I'm actually from Colorado. Moved oh, here 20 years ago. Boulder! I've been to Boulder. Mm-hmm. I've been to the Chautauqua in Boulder. Ah, Chautauqua! Yes, yes. Uh, beautiful. I've, we used to watch silent movies up there with live accompaniment. Oh, that's a nice spot. That is a beautiful yep. spot, right? And you can learn. Yep. That's why they built those things for you to learn. Yep. Right, people would come through and lecture, and they would have uh, music, and they would do symposiums and all kinds of stuff there. Uh huh. Right now, what do they do? Sell weed up there at the Chautauqua? <laughs> no, I'm no. sure they're not doing it on the on the park ground. Well, most likely not. They're, they're probably doing it down on the Pearl Street Mall. Uh, Karen, you're the most delightful graveyard guide I've ever talked to. <laughs> Thank, Thank you. you for calling in. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> you're welcome. Two zero one two zero nine. You're the only graveyard guide I've ever talked to. 201-209-9368, 201-209-WFMU. Uh, yeah, Samuel Gompers, labor leader, if anyone wants to tell us why he's important and uh, what he meant to the labor movement. 
call 201-209-9368-201-209 WFMU. Let me go back to Guitar Center for a minute, because if you were to ask me, like, what's the worst job you've ever had, I I mean, I would be hard-pressed, because not only did I work in this fish market, my next job was at a Woolco, which is where you shopped if you couldn't afford Woolworths. Imagine that for a minute. You can't afford Woolworths. So we got this alternative. We call it Woolco. W-O-O-L-C-O. I got hired as a stock boy. And that that was just... If you've ever worked as a stock boy... Oh, that was awful. I, every night I wanted to die. <laughs> I was the guy... That would go out to the parking lot and round up the shopping carts. I was the guy, if there was a spill in aisle six, I had to go out there with a mop. I would, uh, mostly what I would do is find, uh, t- take my guitar player magazine to the bathroom and hide in there until I heard myself paged. It's mostly what I did. And that didn't last long. That job lasted a couple of weeks, and then they did a big purge of all the stock boys. But they, they, what they forgot is that uh, you know you, you nowadays they let people go right away they they don't let you stay on the job for the day for some reason back then they did they like we got word that we were all canned but they wanted us to finish out the day and you have never seen so many people steal so much stuff in such a little time uh, i w- i'm still amazed when i think about the guys who had the keys to the really, ex- you know, for a Woolco, the expensive stuff at the Woolco, like the watches and whatnot, and just went into the stock room and unlocked the, you know, the boxes where the stuff was held and just stuffed it in their pockets and left. It was pretty impressive. Uh, but that, one of my other jobs at that job, one of my other things to do to to fulfill my my uh, stock boy quota was to uh to to shove garbage into an incinerator that was always fun because there was a there was a huge long aluminum pole with a paddle on the end of it and you would have to shove the garbage down in the it was like feeding the like a fiery beast from hell to shove the garbage into the big gaping maw of the incinerator and then after that i got a steady job at a bakery the job, when I say steady, it, la- it lasted a year and a half at the Modern Bakery over there on Wellwood Avenue. And uh, kept baker's hours. Horrible, horrible baker's hours. I think I used to go in at like 5 a.m., 5.30, something. I think I, I, w- I was just turning 18 at the time. And so during the summer, I worked uh, early, early hours. But then during the school year, I would go in after school and work, and I just, I just saw myself becoming a baker, and I, I really fought against it. I really didn't want to do it, because there was a guy in there, his name was Kurt, and he was uh, a number one a-hole, and I didn't want to become that guy. I thought if I stay here, I will become that guy, and I don't want to be that guy. I got pretty good at baking. I could make a bear claw that you would... Believe me, you would love it. And uh, bacon pies and all that kind of crud. But that was a hard job, too. I was kind of glad when that was over. And then somehow I got into a string of telemarketing jobs. 
I got good at talking to people on the phone. That really was a training ground for doing talk radio. Just talking to people all day long. People calling you. You calling them. Talking to them. And trying to sell them stuff. And that went on for a while. And there was other things along the way. But let me get to the Guitar Center job. Because this was a bad time in my life. I was uh, in a relationship that was dying I didn't have a car at the time. I was borrowing a car. I was dead broke. Somehow I managed to ace an interview with these people, uh, the Guitar Center people, opening up on Route 22 in Springfield, New Jersey. The store is still there as far as I know, but I built that store. Me and the people that were hired, we weren't told that essentially what we were going to do is build a store from the ground up. So here I get hired. I wanted to work in the guitar department. I wanted to sell guitars. That's what I thought I was going to be doing. I even showed up with my guitar. I thought that would be impressive. Let me bring my guitar to the interview. And when they found out I had some kind of audio background, that I, worked, uh, that I had worked in radio, that I did radio, they stuck me in the pro audio department. And I hated that. I really, really hated it because really what was, what was going on is these guys were coming through there who didn't have a lot of talent, but they had a credit card, and it was my job to sell them thousands upon thousands of dollars of gear that they didn't need and would never figure out how to properly use, and they would end up selling at a, a steep discount years later. And uh, the the Guitar Center gig was horrible because not only did they make us build the place, we had to unload the trucks, we had to assemble the shelving, we had to bolt the shelving to the walls, we we did everything. It was was essentially an empty box when we showed up, and we built the store from the ground up, but then they sent us to boot camp where they made us learn their particular sales method and how to overcome objections and how to browbeat people into buying stuff and how to basically say, because it was mostly men going through there, that, you know, your wife uh, goes out and buys all the shoes she wants, doesn't she? And I know, uh, look, I've talked about this here before, so let me let me compress the story. I, I, I knew this wasn't the place for me the night the guy came in from California to lead us in a chant of F. Sam Ash over and over again. We had to... Nuremberg rally style, stand up and, uh, and, and throw our arms in the air and scream at the top of our lungs, F. Sam Ash. And, oh, I wish I could curse, but I won't. And I said to myself, what am I doing here? I don't want to be here. And then within a couple of months, my boss came over to me, and this is the only time this has ever happened, and I'm grateful to that man. I wish I could remember who he was, but he said, you're not happy here, are you? I said, no. Well, why don't, we just, uh, why, don't, why don't we just end this relationship? What do you say? And I said, okay. And I just, <laughs> I took off my little nameplate. He let me keep my shirt. I still have it, my little Guitar Center shirt. And I walked out. And there's nothing like that first breath of air, that, fir- that first when you walk out of a crummy job and the first time you get outside and you go, oh, there's nothing better. And you haven't thought yet about now I got to go down to the unemployment office and now I got to stand in line and now I got to put in for my unemployment benefits and now I got to figure out how to live on that money. 
none of that is coming to your mind yet. You're just thinking, and you go home and you watch some television. You know, maybe on the way home you stop off somewhere, you pick up a meal, and you go home, and, and none of that other stuff has occurred to you yet. Yeah, it hasn't occurred to you yet. What do I do next? Oh, it's wonderful. What a wonderful feeling. So in honor of Labor Day, which was yesterday, let's talk about jobs. How do you prepare for your work day? How do you live on unemployment? How do you conduct your job search? Any on-the-job conflicts with coworkers? Any horrible bosses? What about the day you got fired? Uh, Mondays. Are Mondays the worst day of the week? Do you have any truly scary coworkers? Any that you're absolutely petrified of? What about slacking on the job? Any good tips? For slacking? Have you ever changed careers? Did you have any romance in the workplace? They say most people meet their significant other on the job, they say. Any good water cooler gossip at your job? And when did you know it was time to go? When did you know? And which sites do you use? Do you use LinkedIn? Because LinkedIn to me, and maybe because I'm not looking for a job currently, LinkedIn is all about People looking for a gig. I get emails all week long from people who want to connect with me on LinkedIn, and I think, what for? What can I? I can't do anything for you. I'm sorry. And I've been asked over the years, and I never know what to say. I just I say what I what I can. I'll I'll see what I can do. And if there's a less committal, committed, what's the phrase I'm looking for? Less committed way to put it than that. I don't know it. I'll see what I can do. It means nothing. What about uh, Monster.com? Anyone use that with success? Career Builder, some of these other apps that let you search for jobs out there? Have you been out of work for a while? Are you a missing worker? 201-209-9368. 201-209-WFMU is the number here. Uh, and let's see. Not only Karen was commenting on the uh, playlist... But Dale checked in as well. Dale says, one of my worst summer jobs was the night shift loading refrigerated semis at an ice cream plant. You packed the truck as tightly as possible as the boxes came into the reefer by conveyor. You wore a full snowsuit with hood and gloves and then came out to sit on the 80-degree loading dock waiting for the next truck. And you sweated like a pig. Your nightlife was shot and you slept all day. I lasted three days. Thanks, Dale. Hello, welcome to the air. Hello, Chris. You're on the air. Who is this? This is Phil in California. Phil, tell us who Samuel Gompers was. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, never mind. What did you want to talk about, Phil? Well, you forgot to mention your, your stint selling Italian ices in Central Park. I never sold Italian ices in Central Park. That was just that was utterly bogus. Never well, happened. There was, it was something I made up for the air. Don't you know that, Phil? Are you getting that interference? I'm getting all kinds of... I, like, I, no, n- no, I'm not getting any interference. What did you want to tell us about? Uh, nothing. I just want, I wanted you to tell us what you actually did. You said, I think you, you lied about the uh, <laughs> Italian ice job because you were embarrassed about the job you were actually doing. Uh, it might have been the job at Guitar Center. I was pretty really? embarrassed about that job, yeah. When was that? Wasn't that like, wasn't that like 15 years ago? It was a long time ago, yeah. It was a, it was a while back. Oh, okay. Yeah, that might have been it. I mean, I know I was doing something I wasn't terribly proud of, and most, 
You know, most things, even the telemarketing jobs and so on, I was I was somewhat proud of. That I was not because it really was like trying to talk people out of their money, and I just right. I didn't feel good about it, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't well, mind selling stuff to people if it's not a case of, like, the guys like, oh, I don't know, you know, I really... Uh, and you know they're going to go into debt, and you know that they don't have any musical talent, and you know they're just wasting their time and their money, and then you're you're helping them do that. I felt bad. Right. Yeah, I've never had to do that. Yeah. The well, closest the closest thing I had to that was I had a in I think West Orange, New Jersey, about twenty five years ago or more actually, where I was uh, it was uh, Americana portrait I believe, and they took pictures of babies and small children and. And I was started as a telemarketer, telephone telephone person, whatever you want, a salesperson, on the phone trying to get people to get new shots. And I hung up on Phil. It wasn't intentional. I swear to you, I just uh, I was trying to put this other call on hold, and uh, boy, am I bad at that. I'll admit, <laughs> I apologize. Who who is this that I was trying? Uh, to hey, Chris, this is Jim the Longshoreman. Hey, uh, Jim, how are you? The Longshoreman, a uh, member of the labor movement. I am a member of two unions, by the way, in good standing, in the National Association of Broadcast Engineers and Technicians and in Local 1212 of the IBEW. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. That's great. Uh, I like another union man when I meet one, but uh, I called to tell you about uh, a job that I held briefly before I joined the military right after high school. Um, I found an ad online selling ATMs and credit card readers uh, basically door-to-door to different stores. You're kidding. You're that guy? You're the guy like when I stumble in at 2 a.m. to the deli looking for the ATM? That was you? Yeah, I was that guy for about 16 days, something like that. And why did you stop being that guy? Because it was god-awful. I had to... Uh, I never actually saw my boss. The whole thing was over the phone. So I was... My supervisor was in Texas, and he would tell me where to go and what to try to sell, and I would have to go to the location he told me to go to and uh, and try to hawk the, the technology there. And he had me going all over the place. I was in Camden. Uh, I was in Montclair. I was all over New Jersey. Mm-hmm. I made no money. Not even a dime. How much were you, how much were you supposed to get paid for this? Well, based on gig. commission... You're supposed to get paid anywhere from 300 to to $1,000 per commission. Yeah, well. I know it sounds like BS, but also I can't sell something that my heart's not in. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a special, any kind of feeling about ATMs. I actually don't like them. And I was trying to sell these things to people, and they could tell right from the get-go that I didn't care about what I was doing. They didn't want to buy what I was selling, and... And that was it. Uh, actually, uh, my boss would get mad at me all the time. Cause he, he basically told me to lie to these people. And say what? And say that it would save them money in the future and all this kind of stuff. And I did the research, and it, was, it would actually cost them money. The, the upkeep for the ATMs that we were trying to sell, plus the price of installation and delivery, was more than would cost to keep their original system. Look, I mean, I know that salespeople are a necessary fact of life and that there are good products to be sold and products we all need, but that you were, you were doing evil is what you were doing. I know. Doing. I was doing the devil's work. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it, it dawned on me. I went into a 7-Eleven, and I was trying to sell something to the Indian guy at the register, and he didn't want to have any of it. And I was looking at this guy's face, 
And he was looking at me, and I realized that I did not need to do this anymore. So I took all the paperwork that I had, all the, the packet they had sent me in the mail, I left it on the guy's counter. I said, throw this out for me, brother. Yeah. And walked out, and it was... The reason I called is because you were talking about that breath of fresh air after you leave a job. Right. That's what I felt. Yeah. Oh, isn't it good? Oh, oh my God. I actually miss it. Uh, it, it sucks because I love my job. Yeah. So, what, are you, what are you doing now? Are you working now? Uh, no, I just got off work, actually. Oh, okay. But what are you... Oh, you're longshoreman, right? You're That's doing right. long... Yeah, okay. Listen, man, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Chris. You Have take a care. Two zero one two zero nine nine three six eight. Is this Phil calling back? No, this is Charlie. Hey, Charlie. How are you? Good. Listen, I want to thank you for. Uh, I think you're doing a great job. Uh, I, I love cemeteries too. Yeah. But, uh, labor. You know, you're talking about uh, uh, being unemployed. You know, I'm not familiar with being unemployed. You're you're not familiar uh, with being unemployed. Uh, I, you know, I have four children. Uh, I married the girl I met in high school, and I. It didn't take me long to. Have, uh, I became a father at like the age of twenty. 22, I think I was. And by the time I was 30, I had four children. And so, you know, I had to work. I, I You know, to me, being unemployed really was never an option. You know? Right. I, you know, no matter what, I had to get food on the table. I had to supply for my family. I have and, to say, uh, uh, you know, I, I have... Uh, you know, maybe my memory's not as great as it as it used to be. I For years, I wrote things down. I kept a journal... Um, I never really left a job. I, I, uh, you know, I, that wasn't me to, to leave a job. I, I, I mean, the only way I would leave a job is if I had a better job to go to. I would never leave a job without having another job. Right. You know, and, and you sound like the same sort of person. Yeah, well, you know, I, I, my parents were divorced. My mother always worked hard. There were four of us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I guess that's where I learned it. You know, it's unfortunate. I have children of my own, and I, I don't see the same. You know, I have a I have a twenty five year old son, and he doesn't seem to have that. <laughs> he doesn't seem to really have any homes. You know, really. When it, and they, and they say it's this generation. You know, I I'm, I'm told I'm not alone, but but that you know, I think the opportunities are not as great as they were when well, I. Well, you know. I mean, this is true, Charlie. All you could do is feel sorry for them. They're kind of screwed. You know, I don't yeah. envy. I, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I much love as I'd having like to, money in my pocket, and yeah. the only way I get it is by uh, by making making an honest living. You know, I heard the the prior caller. You know, the devil's work. I mm. you know to be doing something that that I know is wrong. You know, I mean, I'm very fortunate today. I have a job that I enjoy. That I that I and I work for a utility, and and uh, you know, and I'm very fortunate. I I feel very strongly about unions. Yeah. You know, I heard you say that you're a union member. You know, it's very difficult to... Well, not at my current job. I mean, I was for, I have a, what they call a traveling card from my unions, uh-huh. which means I'm a, I'm a member in good standing that's not currently paying dues. If I ever went back to a workplace represented by that union, I would just call them up and say, hey, just reinstate me and start charging me dues again, you know? It's it's tough. You know, mm-hmm. you know in, the, in the 25 years that I've been a parent, I've seen my benefit costs greatly increase and the quality of benefits just drastically go down. So so it's just tough for everybody, you know. And yeah. So I'm just I'm grateful to be a union member. But well, that's good, because it. people who don't understand that if it wasn't for union members and the labor movement, that we would all be earning $6 an hour, they just don't get it. I mean, the, we all know union membership is dwindling in this country year after year. In some ways, and in some other ways, it's growing. I mean, in some other service unions... 
it's the membership is actually growing, so that's good. But unions and the labor movement are the only thing that keeps some kind of floor beneath wages. You know that that if it wasn't for them, wages would just go completely through the floor. So anytime sure. you start getting up on your high horse about unions and corruption, you've bought the corporate line, hook, line, and sinker. I hate to right. tell you. That's so, right. That's yeah, right. Yeah. You know, they want our wages. You know, they talk about this world economy. They don't want to bring Mexico's labor wage up. They want to bring our wage down. Right. You know? Yeah. They, they want us to go down. And it's so, never in it's never in the service of lowering the price of their products, if you notice. Any, right, any, right. any time they are, they're able to make things cheaper, they don't pass the savings on to you. So... <laughs> Uh, you know, ask right. yourself where the rule is going. Yes, I am right. Thank you I, for that, I'm Charlie. really grateful for your time. Well, thanks thanks so for much. your call. I appreciate Great it. Great show. Uh, let's see who's on this line here. 201-209-9368. Welcome to the air. Wow, is this me? This is Eli from Queens. Hey, Eli. Eli's coming. Hide yeah, your heart, right. girl. Eli's coming. Hide your heart, girl. That's Sorry. exactly what every kid's dad used to say. I had a Laura Nero moment for a moment. Sorry. That's, that was a fine moment. I'm glad I inspired it. I wish I was named Eli sometimes. It's a cool name. That's pretty good. It's done me well through the years. It's right. uh, short for Elias. Well, there but, you uh, go. It's got to be short for something. I don't think you're just Eli, are you? Some people do, and I feel very bad for them. Yeah. It's like very they're missing part a- of their name. Let me tell uh, you about the, one of the crappier jobs I ever had. Please. It got me thinking. So I moved to a new city, right? I moved to Boston, Massachusetts. I was 18. It's from Ohio, right? And I thought I'm going to get a job in a record store, you know, because that's what you do if you're, like, just some dumb kid. I figure I can work in a record store, right? Yeah. Go to all the record stores in Boston, and you've got to be cool. Like, I wasn't in a band. I wasn't in anything. So I finally get a job at this chain called Strawberries. They sold women's clothing, didn't they? Dude, I wish they sold women's clothes. Would they sell? They sold records. Oh, I, okay, all right. I thought I was going to be in there, and I thought, well, at least, you know, I can listen to records, spin platters, it'll be fun, you know? But they had a playlist tape that was one hour long, and the corporate headquarters would send it to every store, mm-hmm. and for a whole month, you played the same 60-minute cassette. Of songs, different songs, like three-minute pop songs, you mean? Songs or? that they were pushing right. with commentary. <gasps> no. The com- yeah, the com- here's, here's one of them. I'll never forget it. This was over 20 years ago. Um, uh, Mariah McKee has one of the most idiosyncratic voices in rock today. And then it starts. It was rough. It was terrible. Mariah terrible. McKee, wasn't, was she in Lone Justice? I'm, I'm trying something to remember. like that. I feel yeah. like she was the kind of chick who wore like a, like a varsity <laughs> jacket or something, right? It's a varsity jacket. Right. You know what I mean? Like a Letterman <laughs> jacket. <laughs> That's all I That would be better of. commentary. You're in Strawberries and you hear, Mariah McKee loves her varsity jacket. Yeah, yeah, now yeah. Now let's I wish listen. they would have said that, and I wish they would have sold Mariah McKee branded varsity jackets. Yeah, that know. would have probably done better than a record. Something. Yeah, so you had to do yeah. make work in there. If there was nothing to do, they'd be like, go sort out these things that are already sorted. Yeah. Real bad. So on the playlist tape was Nina Cherry, Buffalo Stance. <laughs> oh, no, this is like hell on earth. Dude. And so yeah. finally I told the boss. I'd been there a little while. They liked me because I was working hard on like doing crappy at any job. And uh, so I go in the boss and I was like, his name was Nee. Nee, N-E-E. And I was like, dude, you know. Next time Nina Cherry comes on, you know, I gotta quit. 
<laughs> and he was like, ha, 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 I'll turn it down. And I was yeah. like, oh, look, I'm, I, I'm serious. Like, I have to quit. Yeah. And so he was like, but we were going to make you assistant manager. I was like, no, dude. And he was like, well, you can go now if you want. Well, I, you know, this is interesting because someone was just commenting on the playlist page about this short story I wrote that ended up in the WFMU program guide, the old program guide LCD, which was about the radio station I was forced to listen to at this factory job I had when I was a teenager. And I still remember, I mean, I, when I hear those songs nowadays, because that was the year that Billie Jean was a big hit mm. and the year uh, Stacey Lattisaw's version of I Found Love on a Two-Way Street was a big hit, and those songs were uh, in constant rotation along with Just the Two of Us by Grover Cleveland Jr. Ooh. You remember that song? I don't know if I do. Just the two of us, we can make it if we oh, try. God, I know that Just song. the two Ugh. of us. And over and over, I mean, this. I, I swore that this radio station had, like you said, a, just a one-hour tape that would loop over and over again, because... I was at this job for like, it was a regular factory job, like an eight-hour shift, sitting there making relays on this stupid machine that you operated with your foot, uh. and you would fish the parts out of a box, and you would put them up on this thing on the, on the machine, this press, and you would it, you know press down with your foot, and it would just attach one part to another, and I did that over and over and over again all day long, listening to this crummy radio station. I would beg and plead with the ladies, the old ladies who worked there, because I was the only, not only the only guy that worked there, but I was the youngest person by far. And <laughs> and I would plead with these old ladies as they gummed their tuna fish sandwiches, can we please put on like some other radio station, put on CBS FM, something, anything, and they would they would flat out refuse. They would wow. refuse. They would be like, no, this is the station we like. We like this station. And wow. That oh, it was, it was brutal. I'm not resorting to violence. I, I used to figure out any way I could to get out of work for the day. I called in sick constantly. I mean, I knew my the thing. this whole thing was up the day I went in with some vampire blood, and I shot it up my nose, and I pretended I had a nosebleed. Ooh, you nice. remember the tubes of vampire blood they would sell everywhere? Yeah, I used faked, fake blood to get out of the work, uh, out of the job for a day. That's how bad it was. That is so rough. Anyway. I'm impressed that uh, that oh, you haven't carried oh. that with you and heard that at some other point and possibly killed someone. Ah, uh, you're absolutely. Thank you for thank you for thanking me. I appreciate I'm your proud. thanks. Well, great uh, show. Thank you so much. Your name again? Uh, Eli. Eli. That's right. How could I forget? Eli. Eli I is tried, going. Thanks, man, for the call, and uh, thanks to everybody who called and. Uh, you can find that LCD piece. It's out there somewhere. It's called Why I Hate Radio. Email me for a copy of the newsletter, and there's a link in the newsletter. Email me at ct at wfmu.org. This show is online at aerialview.me. Lots and lots of archives from over the years, links to Facebook and Twitter and my own homepage. And don't forget, on Friday, September 5th, this Friday, I'll be reading with the WFMU Literary Guild Big listener meetup happening at the KGB Bar, 85 East 4th Street in Manhattan, 7 to 9 p.m. It's free with a two-drink minimum. And uh, all the upcoming events are right there at WFMU.org. Stay here. Dave Emery is going to be up 
in mere moments here on uh, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. Just wait a minute. we got a job for you every morning on our station. I don't want no job. Why not? It's too much, too much like work, man. Nobody has a right to booze unless he earns some money. It ought to be a law. You don't work, you don't drink. I mean, work is for suckers. Listen, this is strictly nowhere. You've got a lot of sick, old-fashioned ideas about working hard and living clean, and it's all a lot of junk. I'm too tired to listen. Well, there you have it. The origin of this podcast from September 2nd, 2014, an aerial view program entitled The Working Week. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with an all-new job story. Don't forget, job story is available via Apple and Google Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and YouTube. Go to shows.pippa.com. Dot io slash job story for details and submit your job story at jobstorypod at gmail.com or in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash jobstorypod. You can also record a job story of 90 seconds or less at speakpipe.com slash jobstory or record a longer job story by calling way for job pod. That's 929 929- Four five six two seven six three. Please share Job Story with your friends and family, and be sure to review Job Story on iTunes and elsewhere. Until next time, this is Chris T. Working hard and hardly working. So, working hard or hardly working? <laughs> I said, working hard or hardly working? Working hard or hardly working? Working hard or hardly working? It's a simple question! Are you A, working hard, or B, show? <laughs> Suppose you tune in next week to see if I'm still on the job.